It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. We are just a short time away from the second Republican presidential primary debate hosted by Fox Business and Univision and at the Reagan Library here in Simi Valley, California, with issues like immigration, the economy, concerns over President Biden's age possibly coming to the forefront tonight. The seven contenders looking to make their case to the American people. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. Here's what the American people deserve is a debate about the issues that affect their lives. Going back and forth being childish is not helpful to the American people to decide on the next leader of our country. This isn't that complicated, guys. Unlock American energy, drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear. Put people back to work by no longer paying them more to stay at home. Republicans asked for $7.4 billion in earmarks. Democrats asked for $2.8 billion. So you tell me who are the big spenders. I think it's time for an accountant in the White House. The Republican Party owes the American people the choice. Proven leadership at the national level that knows how to move a conservative agenda forward. We proved in the Trump-Pence years you can turn this country around faster than you can imagine. And I have faith we will again. Because I have faith in the American people. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. The way we win the Cold War with China is by growing our economy and through innovation. And as president, I will bring out the best of America. I will improve every American life. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News contributor, columnist for The Wall Street Journal and former deputy chief of staff for President George W. Bush, Carl Rove, and Fox News contributor and former senior counselor to former President Trump, Kellyanne Conway. Exciting debate night. Uh, It's always, you never know what's going to happen. And it's those moments that you don't know what's going to happen that sometimes define a debate. Indeed, the vagaries and vicissitudes of debates are exactly that. Sometimes you get good luck, sometimes you have bad fortune, maybe you misstated something, forgot a really important soundbite you wanted to convey. But I actually think in 2024, Brett and Carl, slow and steady is going to win this race for anybody who's going to truly take on Trump one-on-one. Uh, what the candidates on that stage not, nam- not named Ron DeSantis have tried to do for the last few months is take on Ron DeSantis so that they can become the alternative to Trump. Um, he's still hanging in there. He's number two in most of the polls. Some people are climbing up in the double digits. But to me, what's most important is not that you grab a headline tonight or you say something memorable or humorous so much that you convince Americans you're the best alternative to Joe Biden. 
because there is no good news in anyone's polling for Joe Biden. Not one personal attribute is strong for him, cares about people like me, is compassionate, has a plan for the middle class. None of that is inspirational, is energetic. And not one major issue set is positive for him. He's underwater. His disapproval is higher than his approval on every major issue, including the ones most vexing to Americans, economy, inflation, border, crime, national security. Yeah. And obviously the top contender is not here, Carl, and he is up in every poll, sometimes Ooh. by 30, 40, 50 points. Does this potentially change the dynamic? Can somebody who's looking at this race say, if you are the alternative, you actually have a shot? At this yeah, point? yeah, well, look, at the end of the uh, first debate, Washington posted a poll. They'd done a poll before the debate and then after. And afterwards, the, the, the Republican who the 67% of the people said they were open to voting for was Ron DeSantis. 62% said Donald Trump. Trump had been in the lead until the debate, but the debate served the purpose of elevating everybody who was on the stage. All of their favorables improved, uh, and all of them saw a larger number of the people out there saying, I'm open to voting for that person. It was like they woke up, Republican voters woke up and said, God, we've got a really attractive group of candidates running, and i got a lot to pick from. Now, that's not the end of the process, but that was an important step along the process, and tonight's debate and the third debate will similarly, uh, I think, uh, affect people that way. And Nikki Haley in that particular poll jumped from from what, 30 to yeah. 50 percent? 30 to 50. 60% improvement in the percentage of people who said they're open to voting for it. And then to me, that's pretty amazing because think about it. It's a 90-minute debate. She has just about nine minutes. And yet people said, wow, I like that. And the same, though, for everybody else. I mean, it was not like they said, oh, you know what? I just saw eight people up there and all of them were depressing or all but one of them was depressing. And they saw something good in everybody up up there. More, in, you know, and in, in some of them, it was like starting from a low base. Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchison were virtually unknown. Uh, not a lot of people in North Dakota. Uh, but I, I thought that was an impressive statement of what Republicans were, were about, which is underneath the surface, this was a mistake for the former president, in my opinion, not to show up. And it's also a mistake for him to say it's over. I'm 50 points ahead because there's nothing that, that pe voters like more than a race, a horse race, and they don't like being taken for granted. And, and, and rather than saying, you know what, this the polls are going to tighten and I'm going to have to work for every vote, you know, lower the expectation. He's simply been raising the expectations. That said, if you're his political advisor, the former president, aren't you saying, let's wait these beginning ones out and maybe we get in one closer to Iowa or New Hampshire? Maybe not, but, but maybe to, to kind of give a hat tip to those states. His advisors are telling him that. His former advisors are saying, let's go because it's a comfortable forum for him. For him. I think he, if President Trump were on the debate stage tonight, Brett, or the one that Martha and you moderated in Milwaukee, he would be able to correct the record for what some of these people are saying. I hear a lot of revisionist history as somebody who was there every day yeah. about their relationship with the former president, how all in they were in supporting the agenda, if not part of the administration. And it, it would be good for him to be there for that reason. Also, I just think voters are owed in the fullness of our democratic process, an opportunity free of charge and instantly to see these candidates shoulder to shoulder, taking the tough questions from the moderators and each other, which did help Ambassador Haley last time. Um, it's not that Donald Trump's being a coward. That's a silly uh, charge against him. 
it's that he's being a front runner. And if you listen very carefully to what he's saying a little bit on abortion, on the union workers, he is already in a general election strategy on some of these issues. He's the guy splitting the screen and wants the cage match rematch with Joe Biden. But Carl makes an important point. The value of these debates was seen in that first debate in Milwaukee in that people tuned in 13 million plus. They listened and they said, there's a lot for me to consider here. And I'm going, and the issues are too serious. The world is so dangerous. My own economic situation is fragile. I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to be you know, sussing this out. But, um, but I understand, and I've, I've, I've talked directly you know, to some of those advisors, I understand. But he's missing an opportunity. You know, he's chomping in the bit. I'm sure he and Biden are both watching tonight. Yeah. And, you know, the poll that's really interesting to watch is strong leader. Who's a strong yes. leader? And for that, the former president beats the current president exponentially. But that's what people want. And, and we often hear from folks, oh, I want the Trump policies without the Trump personality. Well, I would tell you, you're not going to get some of those policies. Tough trade deals, Kim Jong-un and Xi Jinping and um, a, a nuclear-capable Iran salivating at Israel. You're not going to get those tough policies done, executed without that kind of personality. Uh, but also strength is important because the, what's the opposite of strength? Weakness. And everywhere people look, they see a porous open border. They see weakness in our law, in disrespect and no resourcing for our law enforcement. So crime is crazy. They see weakness in our education system. And it, it makes them fear. It makes them fearful. So strength is a very important thing in the end. Joe Biden, look, the physical and mental acuities aside, his presidency has not been strong. His vice presidency is not strong. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. So we're here at the Reagan Library. I'm sure there's going to be echoes of Reagan thrown out numerous times, numerous ways, whether it's the questioning or in the answers from candidates. And it does provide an opportunity to hearken back to a figure that's really well-loved across the, the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, you can overdo that, though. You can. Yeah. It can be cheesy. Yeah, you can be cheesy. <laughs> Look, a little bit of that goes a long way. The most important thing is that people walk out of, uh, people turn off the set tonight and and people walk off that stage having left a bigger sense of whom they are and what their values are and how they would deal with the big issues facing our country. That's what people are wanting. It's one thing to say, you know, let's honor the memory of Ronald Reagan and his great achievements. It's another thing, though, to say, uh, I'm, I'm worthy of your support as, a, as the next president of the United States. But the strong leader question, back to what we were yeah. talking about, I, I'm not sure that of the seven that they've reached the strong leader quotient. You, look, you can't reach it quickly. I mean, to be honest, remember, Reagan goes through the 1980 campaign, and one of the big questions was, is he a big enough leader to, to, to be the chief executive of our country? And he answers that question only in October of 1980, in part because of his debate performance, and in part because people finally had to sit down and say, okay, we got the guy that's in there, sort of a good guy, but weak and feckless. 
Harris and the other guy's sort of unknown to me. But, you know, he was the governor of the most popular state in the union, and the people in California seem to have liked what he did. And you know what? That one debate, and there was only one debate mm-hmm. in 1980, he seemed to have a better handle on what it was that he wanted to do. And so at the end, the people were still up for grabs, broke uh, inordinately for Reagan, and hence the victory. So not to be cheesy, but hearkening back to Reagan, uh, in August of 1981 is when he has the standoff with the air traffic controllers union. 11,500 are fired because of the the back and forth with Reagan. Interestingly, paradoxically, he was the only president to be the head of a union in the Screen Actors Guild and led a strike uh, at SAG when when he was the head of that union. But that's interesting just in the historical perspective because now we have a president for the first time ever on the picket lines this week and a former president today who's going out to really court those voters, Kellyanne. Um, and it's it's an interesting line. The union members are up for grabs. We saw it in 2016. We went right for them in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, even states where we came up short, like Nevada and New Hampshire. Uh, and I, I say this because it is really smart to go and talk to workers. I think one thing that the Trump-Pence policies did was transform the Republican Party into more of the party of the worker. And when Scranton Joe uh, tries to go and convince people that a guy who's been in Washington for 53 years is one of them, it's a hard sell. And it's a harder sell, Brett and Carl, when you're on the ground with them yesterday for 90 minutes and you spent triple that time in the air coming to California to do two fundraisers tonight in San Francisco. So people know what they say, not what they hear over what you tell them to believe. Uh, the other thing is I'm, I'm really struck by all these polls, including the Fox News poll, showing how many Americans are still persuadable. They tend to be female. They tend to be um, Hispanic. They tend to be younger. And they tend to make less than $100,000 a year. I think the younger and the and the $100,000 a year or less is incredibly important because we're supposed to believe young people only care about abortion and climate change and this and They care about everything, as everyone does. But if you're 30 years old and you're thinking of getting married or being a parent, buying your first home, there's nothing so far from Bidenomics for you. In fact, I think he's interrupting you advancing to the next stages. And the unions are just a piece of that. It's like anything else. The rank and file are so different from the leadership. And Trump was able to burrow into that. And I think the Republican Party down ballot with some of these great Senate candidates have been able to do the scene. Let's see what happens against Bob Casey in Pennsylvania, against Sherrod Brown in Ohio. That's going to be a key voter block. Yeah. And I, not to go too deep into the weeds here, but it is a complex issue. And it, usually you say the little guy against the big company is kind of an easy political thing to grasp. That this is these are workers that are asking for a 40 percent increase, a work week from 40 hours to 32 hours. All kinds of different pension stuff. If they close a plant, the company, they still get paid. For doing community For community service. Service, whatever that is. Once you lay all of the details out there, you wonder, and in a a Biden policy that mandates electric vehicles that are not selling in dealerships, it's far different than just the little guy versus the company. Well, remember, too, we're talking here about unionized workers. Percentage of people who are in, in, in unions that are that are not government employees is at, at the lowest percentage of the population in the modern era, and the unpopularity of unions among workers is very strong, very unpopular. So the Republican Party can be the party of workers if it's looking out for the you know for middle class people who are and working class people who are working for companies that are non-union, and what they want is they want a 
a dollar that's stable. They want opportunity and economic growth. They want low taxes, and they want the country to be prosperous and secure. And, you know, they, they don't care about whatever is in the PRO Act or whatever is the latest union giveaway. What they want is everybody to be treated fairly and for everybody to have a shot. Yeah. If they're selling electric vehicles, they're up against Tesla and Toyota, which are non-union. Hey, hey they're <laughs> so, also up against 7,500. If, you, if, you're, if you're making pickup trucks like we're making in Texas and San Antonio and Fort Worth, you're also up against the fact that the government is taking money out of your pocket and giving it to the purchaser of, a, of, a, of an electric vehicle by about $7,500 a vehicle. And those are eighty and $90,000 vehicles mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're taking your tax money to subsidize the purchase of. That run on Chinese-produced lithium batteries. There you go. Way. We're going to have our own show on that. All right, final thing, really quickly. Two things you're watching for tonight, just two, uh, when you watch this debate. Tonight, I'm watching to see who they pile up on. I think last time, the candidates thought they had to go after Ron DeSantis. He came out of that. I, I feel just fine. Still has a second second position. Uh, and I think tonight they may go after Ambassador Haley. That's a delicate dance. The other thing I'm looking for is, can I come away tonight and say, I know what the three-part plan is for candidate X to turn the economy around, to reduce inflation, to fix the border, to uh, contain Putin, to deal with crime at the local level, to elevate issues that sound like they're local and state issues like crime and policing and homelessness and education and school board elections, but we need a president to be strong enough to give it voice and visibility. I came out of the first debate not not remembering a two or three point plan super glued to any of them. So I want to know who will super glue themselves to something that's memorable to folks that they'll be repeating until the next debate. So you're going for a Herman Cain 999 or Steve Ford flat tax. The fact that we're going so far back in time makes our point. That's right. All right. Two things. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm, I'm looking for one thing that's similar to what uh, Kellyanne was talking about. It's not so much that I want a three part plan. I want to have a sense of what their presidential priorities are. And we had a little bit of that last time around. I mean, I thought that was one of Nikki Haley's great opening moves is to say, as president, I'm going to be really concerned about spending because let's be honest, Republicans and Democrats have overspent. And as a result, we got a big deficit, which was a way to do several different things. I'm going to be tough. I care about an issue you care about. And I'm dividing and I'm not only attacking Joe Biden, but I'm attacking Republicans who spent too much like the guy who was in there before. So I'm looking at a little bit broader than the three point plan. What is it? What do I have a sense that they will do as president? Like Kellyanne, I'm interested in who's going after whom. Last time around, I think everybody was supposed to go after Ron DeSantis, but they had a much easier target in Vivek. And as a result, remember, it was Chris Christie, it was Nikki Haley. And I mean, he got slapped around a lot. Now, he, he gave as good as he could get. But it was interesting to me that they, they made forward movement not only by, by, I mean, DeSantis was, I think, like, points was like, I expect to be tacked and I wasn't attacked. So I'm interested in who they go after tonight. That'll be fascinating. Well, Carl, Kellyanne, thank you. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at Fox News Podcast. Podcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Kellyanne and Carl, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.